Welcome to the Write It Down podcast at home edition. I'm your host, Brooke Murata, bringing you one-on-one interviews to challenge, inspire, and encourage. Up next is Elizabeth Weinstock. She's a vibrant fashion designer, avid boxer, and a compassionate mentor and sponsor to people who are trying to turn their lives around. She uses the skills she learned in the streets to cultivate her business, and she uses the empathy she received in her recovery to help others. I'm super excited about the stories that she shares, and I know you'll be excited to listen to her as well. You know what to do. Sit back, relax, and get your pens ready because this is Write It Down. Welcome back to the Write It Down podcast. I'm your host, Brooke Murata, on the mic with Elizabeth Weinstock. Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I got the privilege of joining your CGA group last Wednesday um, and got to see what you're about and how you help people and how you serve others. So why don't you tell us what CGA is, how you got involved in that, and what your story was leading up to it? Wow. How much time do you have? Hey, I got all day. Um, hmm. Okay. So what happened was, uh, my story goes back to, you know, when I was a crazy punk rock kid, uh, who did a lot of drugs and ended up with a huge heroin addiction, um, and didn't die Mm. and shared dirty needles with really seedy people and didn't get sick and die. And so fast forward to, you know, I live to tell, got sober, super young, um, against all odds, went to rehab back then when you went to rehab, you couldn't withdraw from opiates in, you know, 48 hours or get your money back. Um, like they have it today, like it is today. And, um, you know, I got sober, super young as a kid, just crazy, still a punk rock, bright pink hair and People didn't have bright pink hair back then. And, um, you know, I was an angry kid. And when I was in the street, there was a certain sort of demographic of people that were nice to me. And um, fast forward to, I have a son who, when I was married and then divorced, I took him to a therapist who said to me, um, you know, I would go in at the end and hear what my kid was learning. I kind of just wanted him to have somebody to talk to because I didn't. And um, she would say to me, you're so good, Elizabeth. Why don't you go help other kids? And she said it so many times. I said, all right, where do you want me to go? And she gave me a list of youth centers. And I ended up at this one in South Central called a place called home. And there were all these bald kids running around. And I, that was who I gravitated towards. And it was what, what happened was the woman who opened this youth center, um, she opened it in this gang territory. And um so not to get her place all shot up and have a lot of crime in there, she hired them all in that territory. Wow. And so I ended up starting an AA meeting in there in a class called Life. And I would meet with this whole gang of kids and um, we would sit down together a couple times a week and talk about the important things of life, you know, communicating how to shake hands and look someone in the eye. And, you know, that was so that was 20 four or five years ago. And I've just been doing that kind of work for a very long time Mm. until um, I ended up at a men's home in Watts where I would run this group, the CGA group, which is just an offshoot of AA. It's really any, it's a 12 step program, really AA, CA, NA, 
CGA, it's all the same to me. I always say if you have a giant hole that you're trying to fill with whatever right here, yeah. you know, you're in the right place. Um, and so I did the CGA meeting in person for a long time until COVID happened. And then COVID happened and um, I started doing it online. And it, it, it helped me grow my reach. It helped me bring in more people that were in different homes, people struggling, people that can't get to a meeting, don't have cars, have just gotten out after life sentences. A lot of my people on my meeting are have gotten out after life sentences they've done 20 30 40 plus years wow and um some of them a lot of them are amazing incredible humans and every wednesday night at 7 p.m or on the meeting they call me it's the miss elizabeth meeting although i call it only miracles meeting of cga <laughs> and um, you know we meet and you saw it we talk i usually get a speaker to share their story because while everybody has a different story. A lot of these people have many of the same feelings mm -hmm. that they get a lot of comfort in hearing somebody else talk about that they had similar feelings. It's kind of a me too movement yeah, right. in an interesting way without using that word me too. You know, when you hear, yeah. I use it in this way, when you hear somebody talk about feeling not good enough, you know, believing in the lie that as they were, they weren't enough. And you hear somebody else say it, you, you feel comfort in that. Right. And I believe that these men, it's primarily men, although I welcome women, I just don't have that many that come on. Yeah. Um, I just believe that they really deserve a safe place to come to have a feelings check in hear each other talk and I've watched so many of them open up and it and you know their shoulders drop and they feel at home and they right. feel comfort and they feel included and um I call on them try to give them as much time as I possibly can to go around the little squares but um you know sometimes I have north of 50 60 guys in there and it's you know I can't get to everyone in right. an hour and 15 minutes but I do provide that safe space um, for them to come and feel loved. Yeah. And you do, you create an environment that feels like home and it's very warm. Did you, when you were, um, living that lifestyle, is that what you craved the most was empathy and a, and, and a place that felt like home and what was your mental health like during that three and a half years or so that you were struggling? Well, it was more than three and a half years. Um, mm -hmm. but I struggled for, you know, all of my teens. Mm. Um, and I got sober at the end of my teens. I, my mental health was not good. I was, you know, what happened for me was I started doing drugs at 13, smoking weed, hash, Coke. I hated Coke, but I tried it so many times to make sure that I hated it right. because that's just, you know, a crazy addict kid not wanting to feel. So when I took the drink or the drug, the drug then took me and then all bets were off. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to think. I didn't have to feel all of the things that, you know, I was suffering from just low self-esteem, low self-worth. I didn't know how to communicate. I never felt pretty enough, smart enough, strong enough. Any of any, I just didn't feel enough. And so drugs were, you know, I was the problem and they were my solution. Um, when there were no drugs around, I drank vodka straight out of the bottle. Um, mm. And so my mental health was poor. Right. It was, um, 
even when I got sober, you know, I got, went to this rehab, I did a 23 day detox, which was hell. And then I would go to meetings and I would sit in the back of the room because I felt like if you got too close to me, then you would find out about me and you wouldn't like me. And um, so I would sit in the back, even though I was trying to be present there. And over years of just doing the work, showing up, being of service, kind of, you know, raising my hand slowly and slightly, um, we're here. Right. Yeah. And, and there's also some other things that, that you've implemented in your life that other people can, if they're listening to this and you struggle with, um, drug addiction or you struggle with your mental health, tell us a little bit about boxing and when that entered into your life and why it became so important to you. Okay. So when I was a kid, a drug addict kid, I used to get in fights and, um, I was at boarding school. I get in a fight. I was at my high school. I get in a fight. And, um, I was at a punk rock show. I get in a fight. And, um, when I, when my son was about two, I was going to a new gym and, um, they had just opened this boxing ring in part of the gym. And I was watching these guys box while I was working out. I'm lifting weights, but I'm just watching and I'm watching. And I say to my trainer, that's for me. Mm. We got to go over there. And my trainer at the time happened to have boxed for years. Okay. And um, he, it's funny. I just watched this documentary on um, Christy Martin. I don't know if you saw it. Mm-mm. She was a female champ of the world boxer in 80, I want to say, I don't know, right around the, not far from then. It was, well, this was in like 93. Okay. And um, anyway, I started boxing then and it was such a great release for me. And it gave me so much of what I got to get out when I was younger, legally. Right. Yeah. And it was <laughs> yeah a great right. workout. And it was just this, um, it was so fulfilling to me and I enjoyed it so much. And um, I've done it for years. I've been doing it. And then um, I stopped because I hurt my neck a little bit. And um, I was talking to somebody uh, recently and we were talking about what exercise he does, what I do. And he was telling me that he boxed. And um, anyway, I just started again recently um, in the last few months. And it's just after not doing it for probably maybe four years, I've done it on and off forever. Right, right, right. But it's amazing. And the thing is, I did boxing. Um, I did lessons for a little bit. And my biggest struggle with boxing is honestly the footwork. And I played soccer. So like I'm decent ish with my feet. But it's the footwork, the coordination that I feel like I like. It's a, it's an art because yeah, I, I literally like it is it is hard. It's like ballroom dancing but it's like way more aggressive like I hats off to you because most people I think when they think obviously boxing they they think of the boxing gloves and hitting things hard but like the amount of coordination and stamina that you need to box correctly yeah absolutely insane and I respect it way more than I ever had before because I actually tried it so hats off to you. I also yeah. saw on um, your website that you have these really awesome, and I say bougie, but bougie boxing gloves on the front yeah. page of, of, of your design. So why don't we segue a little bit into why handbags? Why fashion? What 
what started that journey for you? And then we can also talk a little bit about like who you've brought along with you to help you design. Um, so I've been designing forever. Um, you know, when I first got sober, I got married very young. Um, I didn't know what I was doing. I had a kid super young. I grew up with my son. Um, and, um, I started this sleepwear company when I was young and I grew this company to a huge company. And the problem was I didn't really have much business savvy. I just figured it out. I took all the knowledge of what I learned in the street. Actually, yeah. yeah you're not, scrappy. How to yeah. survive and yeah, not die. Yeah, yes. And I opened a clothing company, a sleepwear loungewear company called Cotton Blanc. And it was a huge company. And I had it for about eight and a half, nine years. And then it literally grew too big and I couldn't handle it. And um, I lost it. I started shipping Nordstrom's late, Neiman's late. And it was all bad. So I, that was my first round with designing ever since I was a kid. I always was a creative kid. I wasn't a brain, a brainiac kid by any stretch. I was a horrible student, bad at math, a little, I was okay at English, but the rest, my mom, you know, would tell me that history was past. It wasn't important. Sure. I mean, <laughs> and, um, not wrong. and um, that's just what happened. And so for me, I was just, I've always been an artist, always been creating. And um, so I did this company and then I went on to do other things and flowers and always around creating. And then um, I did interior design for a very long time. And in that time, I would, for whatever reason, do a lot of single men's homes. And when it came time to accessorizing, there was not really that, there wasn't much that was that cool. There was no cool right. factor. And so I loving boxing um, having loved boxing forever, um, decided to make a pair of snakeskin boxing gloves. And so um, cool. And then I made snakeskin footballs and team balls. And I've made them for probably a lot of owners of all these teams over the years. And um, so it started really with boxes and jewelry boxes and sporting goods. And it morphed into handbags. And okay. then you know, we did some hand painted stuff and I would hire all these kids that were just out of jail that were really good taggers or artists and they work for me for a long time. Yeah. And, um, you know, I love the underdog and I love um, giving people that don't really ever get a chance, a chance. You yeah. know, I am with some now. Um, and I just, I restarted my new, my sleepwear loungewear brand um, in COVID. So I'm simultaneously doing both of those things while, you know, doing some, some other stuff as well. Yeah, you just don't, you don't stop. You just keep, right. <laughs> I like it. You keep hustling. We're going to take a quick break to discuss, write it down brand new website. You can head over to widpod.com, W-I-D-P-O-D.com and see all the goods. You'll notice a banner at the top of the page that says learn more. If you click that link, it'll show you how you can support Write It Down. P.S. My favorite part about the website is the lid wall, which is a collection of all the Write It Downs from the show. This podcast is made possible by the 1513 Network. So show the network some love and support by listening to their other shows. If not, just stick with Write It Down because I'm the coolest, the realest, the illest. Now, back to the show. Something that I really appreciate about you, and I know that you're doing this for others because out of the comfort and out of the healing you received, now you're turning around and giving it to others. And something that I, I see in your story that is super 
unique to you. A lot of people, I mean, this is what I'm fascinated with. I'll cut to the chase is the fact that you had all this, this energy and this, this drive. And it was, it was aimed at the wrong thing for a while. And it took a course correction for you to aim it at something more fruitful, more helpful. So again, you didn't get this entire, and this is what I want people to understand too, who are struggling is when you get help and you, you heal, you're not going to get a full on personality transplant and a full on like facelift of who you are. It's, it's, it's using your gifts now for something different. And I really like what you kind of had to say is like, you learned your, your business savvy in the streets. Like that, that's what taught you was, was the streets. And you took that, all of those lessons, all of that energy that you had, and you aimed it at something to help others. And everybody has an opportunity to do that. And I think you do a really good job with your CGA meetings and with, with who you are with your company and, and who you are as a person, giving that person a leg up to say, Hey, I see this in you. Let's just aim it at something else. And that's sometimes just what people need. And then people don't always get the high school football coach. People don't always get, you know, the gymnastics coach or whatever it is in their life or the parent to, to do that. And you're that person for a lot of people. And I think it's incredible. I think that that what you do day to, day in and day out, whether it's your business, whether it's boxing, whether you're at the grocery store, whether you talk to me on the phone a week or so ago, you want to serve other people. So what was it in your life? I, I know that you've had a journey, but what was it in your life that brought you so low? Was it anger? Was it parents? Was it what was it? And then ultimately, is there something in your life? Maybe I like to call them like a God wink that gave you a spark of hope in your life. Right. Well, um, you know, they say compassions learn when you've been there. Mm -hmm. And um, I might not relate to all of the stories and experiences of like, let's take my meeting, for example never been to jail or prison yet there's so many similar feelings or experiences mm -hmm. or times I've been beat up or you know in experiences let's just say in in feelings um and I think that compassion is the most important thing that we can give to another person and I wish I could have experienced that when I was young and when I was growing up and I had to learn everything myself and um it's funny because with my kid who you know i gave birth to my best friend we grew up together um we went to shows together i made him a little punk rock kid he's just really musical and he's mm -hmm. just like me times a thousand he's just an amazing human and i just talked about this in my office today because someone that works for me that also comes to my meeting went to pick him up the other day for something. And he said that my son got into his car singing and um, it was like Sunday morning at nine. He's like, is he drunk? And uh, I said, you know, every single night I put Killian, my, my son to bed and I would say, sweet dreams. Mama loves you. You're the best person in the world. And I said, that's what happens when you tell your kid that every single night yeah come out singing yeah and i think that you know i was i felt really unimportant in my family in my life that was what my experience was i was i felt like the last kid it was my dad's fifth kid my mom's third i think that um i just felt invisible and 
some of it could have been true. That was my experience. Some of it could have just been in my head, but that was what I, what I felt. And so I always longed for care, nurture, attention, and I didn't get it in my house. And, um, I would go over to my best friend's house and get it and watch her parents give it to her. Right. Who's still my best friend to this day. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, I'm not sure exactly if that answered any of your questions. Oh yeah. Save to say that I just think that you never know what's going to pull on your heartstrings or what you're going to get drawn to. So the same way I'm in the gym and I see boxing and I'm like, Whoa, that's for me. Right. It's the same thing that I landed in this youth center and they told me to go do homework with little kids. And I was like, I don't even do homework with my own kid, but why are those kids bald? And then now I am here. I am 25 years later doing this on a bigger scale and looking even to grow my network more so that I could help more people that need um, a safe place to go. Right. Need to process their feelings because, you know, we as a society, we don't know what it's like for these men and women when they come out after doing so many years, right? what it it must be like. Right. And our system is so flawed in my opinion that, you know, so many people are over sentence and it's just, it's, there's so much redemption that is proven and, and, and shown yet it doesn't matter. Right. We can't throw away the key on people. It's just not fair because I could have been dead. I could have gone to jail and prison many times for all the things that I did and I just didn't get caught and I stopped super young. Mm -hmm. And so I have great compassion for that and I want to help. And if I didn't have, you know, two full-time jobs, I would do more to help and grow my network and and see to it that I could try to help society more in that light. Yeah, no. And and you do a good job and, and I am still blown away. You mentioned it. Um, in this show that you hire people that, um, you know, have, have been where you were and that you give them a shot. And, um, I think that that has to be huge for them to, to be able to see like, Oh, okay. I, I may have been doing graffiti before, but now I'm painting on handbags or, or whatever doing it is. Graffiti. We did uh, a graffiti collection and they got paid to do the graffiti. That's what I'm talking was, about. Yeah. I thought that was so cathartic and cool just because, you know, I just, you know, that was their outlet. That's, I mean, I can't do the graffiti that those guys can do. It's yeah. a gift, you know, it, and it's yeah. there and it's coming out of them. And so many people were born in unfortunate circumstances or without means or whatever it is. And so I love to provide that. Yeah. If I could employ a lot more of them, I would. You know, some of them that have worked for me that have gone on, they try to get jobs and then there's a background check. And, you know, I... I have a hard time with that on some level. I understand corporate America and the whole thing, but yeah. um, yeah. But like you said, the, the system and systems and processes that are in place are flawed. And I think the only way to really overcome that is with people like yourself. And there's other people that you and I know mutually and, and other people we know separately that are doing the same thing in a different outlet or Avenue. And, we have to just keep doing it. I, I believe that God gives us certain passions and, and purposes in life that I can't do what you do. You don't do what I do. Like there's, there's gifts and there's channels for, for people to run in. And I think that, um, 
what you're up to and the people that you surround yourself with to, to, um, to bring about your purpose is absolutely incredible. Um, before we get to the part of the show, where I ask you to give the audience something to write down. I like to do a couple rapid fire questions that are a little more fun. Um, but since you're in the design world, um, would you prefer shopping at Macy's or Dillard's and why or neither (laughs) target? What am I shopping for? Close. This right. is a question for me because this is a personal question because I have my answer, but I, I want to know your opinion or your preference. Can you give me something comparable to Dillard's? I've never been. You've never been to Dillard's? No, man. Is that an East Coast thing? Did yeah. I not know that? Okay. Dillard's is probably, I, I would say it's more like Nordstrom. I think there's, okay. I think like very similar, similar brands like uh, Free People. There's, um, what's her face jessica simpson johnny beanie like more more like that type of okay niche right but you've been to macy's right i have i feel like wait a second i feel like so dumbfounded can i go to a thrift shop instead okay so you're a thrifter i should say thrift store department store there you go there you go okay I, you know, I'm just going to be simmering on this for a little bit. It's like whenever I was younger and I found out Publix wasn't everywhere that I was like, what you people? What's that? It's like Ralph's or, or like Ingalls or or wherever people go grocery shopping. But Publix is like the greatest Southeastern store to ever go to for, for food. Like, and so I found out like that Publix wasn't everywhere and I was shattered, but I did. I really would have thought Dillard's was everywhere, but man, shows, shows how much I know about. Right. (laughs) Okay. Next thing. First thing you do right when you wake up. Very first thing. I pray. Okay. You pray. So you writing. I love that. You journal. I do. I love that. I I do too. Me too. I know my roommate had just asked me that. She's like, do you journal? I was like, every morning. I, it keeps me sane. Okay. Electric or manual toothbrush? Manual. Manual. Okay. I thought you were going to be I like, what's, know why? what's electric? Well, because yeah, I, I, have this whole, I have this um, natural doctor who doesn't believe in electric toothbrushes. He says they're bad for you. Why? Right? I don't know, but he's like a famous dude and he's really good at his job. So. Okay. I we're just, we're going to have to link that. Sorry. Sorry. Electric. Uh, yeah. Because I, it's probably in my head that I think electric cleans my teeth better, but I, I'm Your curious to know. Really clean. Thank you. I'm actually like crazy about my teeth. That's I typically Same. ask a teeth question. Honestly, I'll be like, you floss. What do you do? Oh, uh, yeah, I, okay. do. <laughs> I love that. Anyway. Okay. This is a question I have asked before. Do you floss before or after you brush your teeth? Before. Thank you. Same. I feel like the people can't do it after. People do it. It's a thing. It's a thing. (laughs) And it concerns me because I feel like then you're pushing the food back in. Thank you. That is (laughs) that that is the hill I'll die on. Okay. Real butter or margarine? Real butter. Okay. Oh well, I mean, I don't know. I'll eat cake for breakfast though. Okay. I do like hearing that. And not to to marginalize, so to speak, West Coast people, but there's a lot of vegans out there. There so, are I'm not one of them. I'm a big okay. eater. Okay. So I was gonna say you either get I, I interviewed somebody on this show that is like has a farm out in California and makes everything from cow's milk. So I'm like, wow, that's refreshing. But I've also interviewed somebody from California that's straight up 
won't touch an animal. So, hey, you just never know. Okay. So we are getting to that point in the show where I ask each guest to give the audience something to write down. So, Elizabeth Weinstock, what is your write it down? Okay. What's my write it down? I would say... I would say the only time you should look back is to see how far you've come. Wow. I like that. Write it down. Elizabeth Weinstock. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Happy to be here. Had fun. It was so much fun. All right. Thank you for listening to the Write It Down podcast. This podcast is a part of the 1513 Network. You can catch a variety of shows on their website, 1513.com. If you enjoy listening to Write It Down, please subscribe, share with your friends, and if there's any ink left in your pen, write a review. For more content, follow the fun on Instagram by following at W-I-D-P-O-D. That spells WIDPOD. Super cool stands for write it down podcast but it's abbreviated to woodpod anyways thanks for listening and we will catch you later